right, so let's get now. Let's get into our Bible study. We've been going through the book of Isaiah the last couple of days. Well, this week, really. We've been covering chapter 65 and chapter 66, which kind of culminates, it kind of really brings together the book of Isaiah up until this point, particularly in the second half of the book of Isaiah. We've seen all these messianic prophecies. We are talking about this a little bit earlier uh, when we are talking about the canon of Scripture. All these prophecies uh, in relation to Christ. And the reason we we identified, the reason why Isaiah really gets into this uh, at this time, because you think about it, you know, the... uh, the Israelites are on the edge of Babylonian captivity here. They've gone through a succession of evil and terrible kings. At this time, they're far from God and they, they need hope going into mm. this, into this period. And essentially, it's like, you know, Isaiah's been speaking with them, communicating with them throughout the, the first half of the book. But when it gets into all these messianic prophecies, uh, and, and it's talking about the things that, that, that Jesus would do, who he would be it's really giving them hope in in two senses in in their like immediate situation they're saying that okay god has a plan for us in the future but also god has a way of dealing with the problem that has caused all of these consequences which sin. is our sin exactly yes. god has a plan for that which is found in the messiah that he is not just coming to save us from the captivity of the babylonians the Medo persians the romans the greeks uh the, the other nations that are around us you know he's not helping us war against them no he's coming to save us and everyone from our sin and then that's the point that we see as we read 65 and 66 it looks at god's judgment it looks at god's restoration at the end of time and then in the last couple of verses we're reading actually let's read just quickly go over them again probably verse 19 to 21 sven could you read that for us 19 to 21 i surely in can 66 so isaiah 66 19 to 21 and i will set a sign among them and from them I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, Pul, and Lud, mm. who draw the bow, to Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands far away that have not heard my fame or seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the nations. And they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord on horses and in chariots and in litters and on mules and dromedaries. Uh, dromedaries. To my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord, just as the Israelites bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. And some of them also I'll take for priests and for Levites, says mm. the Lord. So what, what he's saying here is God is going to gather all yes. of his people. 100%. You know, they, they they need to, to come in chariots or or litters or mules or dromedaries, mm. you know, uh, good old uh, camels. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever it takes to, to have God's people back home. 100%. God is going to bring it. It's so good, too, because, again, this is something that in the book of Isaiah, it had a literal fulfillment in that day that once the Babylonian captivity comes and there's the dispersion of the Jewish people, because you're either taken as a captive, killed, or you miraculously escaped. And we see, you know, by the time we get down to Paul Paul's day, that there are Jewish synagogues all over the place in, in the Roman world. Um, and they, we trace that back to the dispersion of the Jewish people that happened during this time. Time, you know, during the time of the Babylonian captivity, they would have just, you know, escaping, fled, ended up all over the place. It gives some, so lists some names here. And this is again an allusion to the, the widespread, uh, 
nature of how far this message would go. Like Tarshish, for example. I love mm. that it includes that. That's at the, the bottom of modern day Spain, yes. which is like for them, that's all the way to the west of, uh, sorry, yeah, all the way to the west of the known to world. The end, at the end time, of the world. Essentially. Mm. Um, but then it would have this, and ultimately all those people would be called back and, and through, through, you know, the Jewish festivals and whatnot, they would come back and worship God. And we see in the story of Pentecost, for example, like the, all the people descending onto Jerusalem to worship of God, and then we have the story of of Philip uh, converting the Ethiopian eunuch, and that's the way that a gospel, you know, spread all through Africa. We, so we covered this in the last couple of days, but then you know, it's spiritual fulfillment in the fact mm. that God would make, and and then in verse twenty one too, He would make representatives of Him, you know, spiritual priests and Levites mm. out of people all over the world who would be testifying of His goodness, of His grace, and, and mostly of you know what's been talked about previously in Isaiah, the the, the salvation from sin yes. the cure for the problems that, that are that are happening in the world finally it's it's coming to an end and that message yes. will go everywhere and of course for us sitting here in australia we know that that is definitely come to a reality today and you know it's interesting uh lawson that you should say that you know one of the things that jews will say is mm. uh that, that when they get together and have a have a great kind of family reunion celebration mm. uh one of the things they'll say is they'll they'll toast or they'll, they'll have this you know saying next year in jerusalem next year in jerusalem mm. and what it, the idea is we're going to be gathered back home mm. you know this deep sense of connection so you know whether they live in bondi in sydney or down in Melbourne, there's this still connection. There, there's this, that is where home really is. Yeah, and I think, yeah. Lawson, one of the, the amazing things is, is this, in the life that we live, um, it's, it's really great not only to sort of kind of journey through the, you know, this seemingly random life, mm. but to know, hey, we have a home. We have a home. It's kind of like next year in Jerusalem. It's, it's, uh, God is coming to bring us, us back home. Mm. It's, it's an amazing, uh, amazing reality. The other thing, Lawson, yeah, you mentioned about the priests and the Levites. And in the New Testament, yeah. the New Testament says you are a royal priesthood. Uh, yeah. Uh, you are called holy nation, holy nation, yeah. and, and so we are all called to be part of this incredible uh, yeah. know, ministry. You know, working together with God. How, it, that sounds amazing. It's to awesome, me. and we, we covered it over the last couple of days. Like the the amazing privilege and how much of a yes. shift this was for for the Jewish mind. They were like, yes. "Wait, you know, uh, Gentiles would be sons of Aaron and, and yeah. sons of Levi." But we saw that you know, yeah, that shift that's happening when the message goes out it's not to be it's not just to be heard by the people and you know uh, as the maybe the fears of the jewish people is not going to be degraded by the people but god will use people to share that message he will use people to to be his representatives you're listening to faith fm positively different radio now this kind of marks really the end of the 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 content you could say. Oh, there's a few verses left, but in Isaiah, this is like the end of like he's, Isaiah's made all these points, and this is definitely like he's bringing up like this this really important topic. Mm. But then we come to the last three verses, and I gotta say, see, this is our last day in the book of Isaiah. Oh, wow. And it it's comes, an amazing book. Yeah, amazing. We've gone through, journey through the 66 chapters, been incredibly inspired, seen incredible things. But we come to these last 
three verses. And it's written in poetry form to kind of sum up what is being discussed mm. here. Uh, and so, yeah, let's just start reading. Let's go 22 to 24. Let's do it. 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, mm. says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon, moon from and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worms shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Mm. Okay, heavy stuff. And I feel like this poem is the the perfect summary for what we've been reading in the book of Isaiah, like all the way through, you know, uh, that ultimately the, the theme consistently is that God has a solution. Uh, we talked, uh, you know, before about to their immediate situation, to the overarching, you know, the underlying problem of their immediate situation of the Babylonian captivity, the underlying problem of sin. God has a solution and God will restore it. And mm. I do that picture of Isaiah 66, you know, what it gives in verse 22 and 23, mm. particularly 22. I love how it says, for as the new heavens and the new earth, which shall remain before me, so shall your descendants and your name remain. Mm. You know, uh, the classic saying, you know, two things in life are certain, death and taxes. We live in this reality uh, where we are constantly faced with the problems of death, with mm. the, the pain of life. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. We've come to a kind of era now in history, particularly in the Western world where, where we experience so much comfortability and, but death is something that is so, so certain. Um, and cause within comfortability, change doesn't happen. Mm. Um, change is something that happens out of difficult situations, but you know, it's like we're in this situation of comfortability in the Western world where change is not happening yet. We identify the problem of death. We see that. And to me, I'm like, you know, we, we, we ascribe the, the, the rising, you know, depression and suicide rates to many different things. Uh, and, and, and they definitely play their part, you know, to, uh, to alcoholism, to, to, you know, all, all sorts of different things, but I would say it's the underlying problem of being in a world where we don't see th- and we don't see the solution or the the, mm. the way or the need to change. Yet we know that it's ultimately going to come to an end. It's mm. like that. That really, you you come to the point where it's like, oh, does my life? If nothing change, if nothing's going, if I don't, if I can't have any say in things that are changing, then do, do, does my life really have meaning and purpose? You know, Lawson. One of the things which really um, you face as you mm. come towards the end of life, and of course, you're you're right at the beginning of your life. Yeah. So, you know, for 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 you, life's a you know life's an oyster. Yeah. You know, with all these opportunities. <laughs> but when you come towards the end of your life one of the big things is legacy Mm. legacy you know is my life actually going to mean anything at all yeah wow you know there's a there's a famous quote in um in william shakespeare it says life's but a walking shadow a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and is heard no more it is a toll it is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing well, and that's that's the thing is you know when you get to to the towards the end of your life you go like did my life mean anything at all mm-hmm. 
did, did I did I leave anything? Did, have I left a a legacy? Mm. You know, because you know it, it's a it's a very daunting idea that yes. that your whole life was you know full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Yes. But what, what God is saying here is that He is going to create a new heavens and the earth and that is going to last forever. Yes. But He also says that your offspring and your name shall remain. What He's saying is, mm. you know, when you're on my side, your legacy is, is amazing. Mm. Your life is meaningful. You ha- your life has significance because it's connected with God. The creator, Mm. the new heavens and the new earth. Yeah, and this is like we find. So we, we've kind of been looking then at the, the the overarching personal spiritual application of this, how this applies to us. But again, this is something that had such application for the Jews at the time because yes. they're looking at their situation. They're 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 looking at you know it's it's in the in in the opposite situation of comfortability in complete another per- persecution where it's like, does anything really matter? Is everything just going to end? Are we just going to be trampled out as a people and all of our culture and all of our purpose and meaning mm. as God's people, is that just really coming to nothing? Which again is a sentiment that can be shared even today. We talked mm. to uh, Antti and McClintock last year. He's uh, you know running the Voice of the Martyrs ministry, reaching out to Christians who have been persecuted all over the world. And it's, mm. uh, I think he said one, between 1 in 20 and 1 in 30 Christians die every single day because of their faith. Mm. Um, and, in the, and it's in those sorts of situations it's like, am I is this all in vain? You know, should I have spent my time indulging? Should I have spent my time assimilating, living a life that is rather cheap and fleeting instead of taking a stand for anything? And mm. God is making the point that mm. no, no, your life, your legacy, as you were saying, will remain. You know, we will come together in the new Jerusalem, as you were saying mm. before, that, that saying of the Jews have, oh, next, next year, year in, in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yeah. That is literally going to happen and it won't just be your immediate family, your immediate legacy. It'll be the legacy of generations upon generations upon generations of people who committed themselves to God. You know, one of the uh, questions people have is, is you know, how do we know that the resurrection of Jesus actually happened? Mm. And it, it comes back to what you were saying, you know, the, the voice of the martyrs is really powerful because all of the apostles, all of the, the men that followed Jesus, mm. um, and even, even the women, you know, we talk about Mary Magdalene and, and there's some, you know, there's some traditions and ideas around that as well, but particularly with the men, they were all willing to die yes. for the, the belief their their firm conviction that Jesus rose back to life. Wow. Mm-hmm. And and the, th- the question is this: Why would you why would you give your whole life to to support an a, an idea like that? Mm. The only reason that you'd be willing to die for it is because you you knew with all of your heart that you'd seen Jesus alive again, and that even if you died. That he could raise you back to life. Oh, hey, it's not man. the end. That's so powerful, and that that's such a powerful example in you know of of a life lived. You know, a life worth faith. living, a life yes. worth living, a life lived in faith. You know, and it contrasts drastically to, you know, some of the motivations of of people who have quote unquote represented Christianity in the past, even up until this day. You know, it's like it's it's sad to see like the. 
the people they 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 try to create this legacy on this earth mm. and they try to you know it, and they do it through the channels of you know maybe being a famous christian or a famous preacher famous pastor and then they have three private jets and they've created legacy and they've created wealth around them whereas and there's no problem there's like the bible is clear that god is the cattle over you know owns a cattle on a thousand hilltops god is the one who blesses us with wealth and he does lead wealthy people to follow him he does lead people of wealth because those people can be such an influence mm. but the point isn't our legacy here on earth even though it's incredibly important but in the sense that our point isn't you know what we can store up on earth but it's, mm. it's our treasure in heaven it's that legacy that we have of you know arriving in the new jerusalem in the new earth having crowd uh, stars in our crown representing you know the people who were able to come to god because of our influence it's powerful but you know one of the questions you know listeners would be saying is what do we have to look forward to in oh. heaven and the new earth and and Isaiah actually says, he says, from new moon to new moon, so every month and from Sabbath to Sabbath, every week, Mm. seventh day Sabbath, all flesh, everyone will come together to worship before me, declares the Lord. And that is amazing. You know, you go to the book of Revelation, and and so much of the ending of of Isaiah uh, reflects Revelation, but the book of Isaiah is about worshiping God, Mm. getting together to, to worship this amazing person. And we'll talk, uh, we'll keep talking about that right after this. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, so we've been reading uh, 22 and 23, and we picked up on, let's just read 23 again. Can you get that for us? Yeah, sure, uh, Lawson. From new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. And we we're talking about how in Revelation, kind of parallel book in the New Testament, yes. um, that, that worship is such a focus, angels are worshiping mm. God, uh, that, that the, the saved come to worship God as well, the multitude that no one can number uh, Worship is is a focus in in heaven and the new earth. That that's what uh, mm. Isaiah and Revelation is saying. But I guess the question that comes to mind, Lawson, is this: Is it a person that is a bit skeptical? You know, God really? Uh, <laughs> that, that, they would they'd be saying. Really? You know, that, that's, that's the focus of heaven, worshipping God? Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds like a dictator. Yeah. That sounds like Joseph Stalin, Pol Pot, <laughs> you know, some Kim from North Korea. Yeah, I, yeah. Is that what we're going to be doing? So, so that's the question, Lois, and mm. is, is that what's heaven about? You forced worship? It's interesting. I feel like we've, you know, uh, in, inside and outside of Christianity, people speculate on what heaven will be like. I remember around the time, you know, I'm 17 years old and I'm starting to do Bible studies and I'm starting to believe in the message. I'm like, you know, I'm starting to, Jesus is becoming a personal friend of mine. I'm starting to having a, have a saving relationship with him. And I remember sitting there with my friends and I was like, oh man, they're, they're talking about how, you know, about heaven. And I'm like, oh heaven, you know, that place where you can just do the things that you want to do. It would just be so awesome. And I was like, you know, like probably the what I want to do right now, like the one thing I'd love to do right right now is like probably like the the most incredible thing and i said to them i would love 
to drive an F1 car around Barcelona, you know, the circuit, Catalonia circuit in Spain. That would be the most fun, most exhilarating thing ever. And and if, if heaven's a place where you can do such amazing things, then you could do that there. Um, I was very young, very naive at the time. And I mean, I, lots of people think about heaven yeah. as, you know, you're just strumming a harp on a cloud. Yeah. Uh, for a millennia after a millennia. I mean, that... That sounds really boring. Unless yeah. you love harps. You yeah, know. harps so. are great. Harps are great for musical people like yourself mm. and myself, dude. That's awesome. Um, and also, like the thought from from some people, where it's like, oh, we get to do all the fun things that we want. No, but where heaven really is uh, is is a real. It's the culmination of for for us at least as we experience heaven. It is the complete culmination of everything that God has done for us. Mm. That experience of worshiping God doesn't come from a perspective of, of forced worship. It, yes. it isn't, you know, on this earth that we live in as Christians, there is, there are times where we can grow worship wearied. Now this isn't because we don't love God. This isn't because we uh, don't have faith, but rather again, we live in this world with the mark of sin, the curse of sin, not only on the world around us, but within us as well. And because of that curse of sin, you know, we are persecuted for our worship. We are um, overburdened sometimes by our worship. You know, you read the powerful stories. Of, we mentioned earlier at Tim McClintock and the, the martyrs today, but also one of my favorite uh, chapters in the book, The Great Controversy, Jerome and Huss. Mm. These people who stood for their faith in the most adverse circumstances, even to the point where they are killed for their faith. Mm. And you look at uh, Jerome, for example, John Huss, he just, he just walks right into it. And just says, mm. look, this is what I'm standing for. If I lose my life, I lose my life. So be mm. it. And he does. Whereas Jerome, he has that moment of mm. doubt and he decides he, 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 uh, he falls to it. And he mm. said he, he retracts the truth that he knows and he, he succumbs to the authorities around him. This, this story took place, I believe, in around the 1300s, 1400s, something, something like that. that. Yeah. Um, and he succumbs to the pressure around him. Now, at this time, you know, there's the powerful uh, result of that is that he, he, he repents. He comes back to God. And we, we see there that it's not that he didn't love God. It's not that he didn't know God. It's not that he didn't believe in God. But just that, you know, this world that we live in is so difficult. We face so many challenges, um, and it's only going to get more difficult as we get closer to heaven, you know. The, the difficulty is of worshipping God, but but ultimately... We look at heaven, which is the, the, the reward mm. of everything that God has done for us and our decision that we make for him. Mm. And it's a time where we will not be worship weird. We will not be struggling. You know, I, the, the, the thing is this, is we need to understand what God is really like. Yes. And it comes back to that, that prize that we were talking about before. Mm. But, you know, when you come to really into the presence of God, mm. one of the things is this, is that you're just blown away yes. by his holiness, by mm. by his incredible love. It's, it's just, you know, for for a person who is open and, you know, is is willing to allow God um, to work in their, their lives, um, God is an amazing person. Yes. And, and you go through the Bible and the natural response of people, Isaiah himself, he is... 
just to worship holy, holy, holy is the mm. Lord God Almighty. You know, it, it reminds me of of going to London. So in London, mm. there's the Tower of London. There's there's this, um, uh, and you go into this vault where all of these um, the the royal uh, jewels, the the royal crown, and you you just walk up to it and you go like. This is mm. dazzling, amazing. You know, you can't almost help but be, be awed by it. Mm. And this is exactly the same. When we come into the presence of God, yes. we're going like, this is an amazing person. I just want to fall down and, uh, yeah. and worship him. I just love how incredibly beautiful and amazing this mm. person is. This worship, yeah, won't be instituted or incited by God. It's voluntary. It's, it's voluntary. By it's by the people because the people who are in heaven, you know, where there is no more sin, where there is no more struggle, it's those who chose to be there. Yes. And it's those who see God for who he really is, which is the person who should be worshipped for eternity. Like, mm. that's what God has done for us. That's how valuable God is. It's because God values us so much, we should value him. Yes. Because he's given everything for us. But, you know, we have 38 seconds left, and I just want to cover the last verse. Yes. Um, if you could just read that for us quickly, Sven. And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me, for their worms shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. You know, there's some theological implications here. We can mm. say that, obviously, we covered this yesterday, the the thing that the, uh, these realities aren't taking place at, at the same time, that ultimately everyone will be, the, the loss will be dead and gone by this yes. time, will be completely destroyed. But what this represents is that we have a decision to make. Yes, we choose do. heaven. We can choose heaven, we can choose hell. And mm. thankfully, we have the ability, God has given everything to us so that we can make a decision for Him. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But now we've come to... Question of the Day. All right, so Sven, I am going to be asking you a question today. Which Go is for it. something I love doing, bringing uh, guest hosts in, asking them questions. The question of the day is, what is up with the locusts in Revelation chapter 9 and verse 3? It almost seems like they are armoured soldiers. Okay, so so here's the verse itself uh, in, in Revelation chapter 9 verse 3. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth and they were mm-hmm. given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. And it goes on to, to describe them, you know, they... they, they um, uh, sound like chariots and horses rushing into battle. There's, there's, it's, an, it's an incredible thing. One of the things we need to understand is that Revelation is um, uses signs and symbols. Mm. It's symbolic for, for the majority of the, the book itself. Mm. And so once again, we have here a, a symbol. Now, what were locusts in the Bible um, a, a symbol of or a sign of? They were, they were a sign of judgment. So go, so go back to uh, the book of Exodus. Uh, so Moses and his people are coming out of Egypt and, and Moses goes to Pharaoh, says, let my people go. Mm. And uh, Pharaoh very arrogantly, defiantly says, no. And Moses says, okay, 
We're going to send locusts to you. Um, this is going to be a plague. This is going to destroy your land. It's going to destroy your um, your plants. And so consistently through the Bible, you see locusts as signs of judgment. You see it in Exodus. You see it in Joel. What they're really saying, God allows locusts um, because locusts devour food, plants. Mm. And it's to really say, if you don't want to depend on me, you'll discover that, that your food is actually comes from me. That's what, what God is really saying. But we come here in this passage, it talks about this angel coming down, having the, sh- the key to the shaft and, and opening in this darkness, um, and, and then these locusts come out. And what they focus on, they don't go out and eat all the, the green plants like no- what normally happens mm. in the Old Testament. They actually attack people. Uh, they, they sting people. They, they've got these scorpions. So th- that gives you that indication. The, these are not real locusts. These are symbolic. Now, what are they symbolizing? There, there's a key here, um, which is really important to notice. It, it says they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. Mm. Now, when Jesus sent out 72 disciples, he had a big group of followers, and he sent them out and says, I want you to preach the good news about the kingdom. They all came back, and they're amazed. that They were jumping for, for joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to um, to your name. Uh, they, 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 they're subject to us in your name. And Jesus goes on to affirm them, and he says, I saw uh, Satan fall like lightning from heaven, exactly the same picture. Notice that. Mm. The angel coming down, the fallen angel coming down from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and have all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. And what Jesus is saying here, it's in the context of uh, demons, demonic powers. Um, it's Satan falling from heaven. You see the same picture coming up. What this is saying is that these symbolically, these locusts are pointing towards demonic forces that are going to ravage this world. And the focus is not green grass and plants and leaves. No, it's the focus is people. Mm. And this is the choice. Uh, we were talking about this in Isaiah. In the end, Revelation tells us the question is we have two Choices to make. Who are we going to worship? God or Satan? Mm. God or Satan? And if you don't choose God, you're going to experience the, the ravaging power of demonic forces in your life. So, so Lawson, uh, this question is a very important. It sounds like a fine, small detail in the Bible, but it's really focused. The, the, the invitation is choose God, choose life. Mm, amen. Oh, great way to wrap that up. Of course, if you have any questions there, give us a text 0491-064-669 and we would love to answer them for you. Right? Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.